Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome at Fuel by Growth, the podcast for purpose-driven female entrepreneurs. Um, our guest today is Aileen Green. She's a business development manager at Antex, a civil construction company, and co-founder at Globe to Heal, a luxury eco-resort in Bali. To her business ventures in sustainability and community building, today she's going to teach us how we can bring sustainable elements in our day-to-day business. Uh, well, thank you for joining. Well, thank you so much. And it's a lovely introduction. Um, I'm very excited to be on your podcast. Great, great. So um, today it's all about sustainability. So I'd like to start talking a bit more about your experience at uh, Many Rivers, where you had helped many entrepreneurs help set up successful businesses. Could you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Look, Mini Rivers is just such a wonderful organisation, a not-for-profit organisation that I used to work with and I still have very close ties. Uh, what Mini Rivers does is that they provide um, business mentoring support uh, to entrepreneurs and they specifically work with groups of people, individuals who come perhaps from a space of disadvantage. So a lot of their clients are on welfare or they experience some kind of barrier to starting in business and uh, the whole idea is that they have a a business coach or mentor to support them to bring a business idea to life and turn it into an actual business and then journey with them um, for a number of years as that business develops and grows. They also provide access to other support services that are often um, needed for, for startup businesses so it could be access to finance. Um, to you know, get products or services up and running, um, access to some legal support. And of course, you've, they've got a, a team of managers right across Australia that have all sorts of different experience in business um, so that we can draw on those individuals' experience to help uh, a client to progress in, in whatever it is that they want to do. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting organisation and um, very purpose-driven. Really exciting being involved with them to see um, small entrepreneurs get their ideas off the ground, uh, often starting from scratch or, or nothing but an idea. Yeah, yeah, that's actually really interesting because uh, it's it's also nice to see what is the success rate in a way from from such an organization. You know, because many times you have uh, all sorts of like you know, startup uh, support, but why is Manor River's model so successful? Yeah, well, I think it's the human element. that, To me, that's really key because uh, any person that's delved into business, any entrepreneur will know that uh, the first year can be really tough and there are tough yeah. times. But, yeah, being an entrepreneur is not an easy option. Um, it, it's hard work. So yeah. having someone walking with you, journeying with you, supporting you, encouraging you is is really key. Um, I remember a lot of the clients would have said things like, wow, this is the first time someone's actually ever believed in me and believed that I could do this. I didn't even believe I could do it myself. So that, to me, is probably the biggest part of the success. And helping people bring their ideas in with some sort of structure, like how do you even start? How do you begin to turn an idea into to something concrete with action plans and steps? Generally, most business owners will know how to offer their service or produce their product really, really well. But there's the whole other side of business, which is 
with the bookkeeping, the understanding the money and the marketing. Yeah. That's another whole area that can be really confronting and, and hard to learn. So when you've got a coach supporting you with ideas and products, um, I think that's what makes it so successful. It's a deal breaker in a way, right? Because if you know you're really good at one part of your business, but then the other ones, say finance or marketing, are lacking behind, then it can, you know, make or break your business, whether you put effort into it or not. So it is very important to know a bit of everything. So there at least raise awareness that those things can help improve your business in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So from your experience, what, how, first of all, how do you measure success? So that's a really interesting question, isn't it? Because traditionally, I think, People look at a business and say it's successful if it's actually earning a profit. And absolutely that is, is part of the success of a business. To be a sustainable business, you have to be earning more than you're spending over time. But there are other measures that I think are equally important and sometimes even more important to the individual running the business. And that can be um, more around the impact their business might make for their family um, or their community. And we see that a lot with Many Rivers clients is that their motivation is often that uh, they want to create something maybe for their children or give opportunities for their children to be employed in a business or other family members, or they want to create an impact in their community. So maybe it's to provide a service that they don't have in that community um, or even connect people with their culture. Um, so maybe customers come and connect with their culture is very important to some people, um, sometimes more, more than the money. And it's, a, it's, yeah, balancing all those issues or all those aspects to say what, it, what does success mean to that individual. Um, for many rivers, they also look at uh, things like how long would it take a client to move off welfare so that their business is actually providing them with an income. So that's actually looked at and measured over a period of time. And uh, I think they average around three years to five years as people start to transition off welfare. So it, it is a while, but it does happen. It's really exciting to see that, that measure. That's another way you could measure success as well. Yeah, I imagine that it's it's quite quite a change. So considering success again, besides Man Rivers, you've also set up uh, your own business in, in Bali, an eco luxury retreat. So how how is that going? Where the idea of setting up uh, this business came yeah. from? Yes, yeah, so I, I do have a business in Bali, and the idea was probably brewing away a very long time ago. Uh, it's a venture that. I've done with my family, my mother and father initially, and also the traditional landowner is, is my co-founder. And it's something that we thought about doing for a long time, but then I ended up um, meeting my husband who's Irish, moving to Ireland. Uh, so it was a little bit difficult to do from there. And, and we had other business, another business that we were, were growing in Ireland. Uh, when I came back to Australia, my father said, do you remember that idea we had you know, 20 odd years ago, is that something you'd be interested in again? And I was absolutely, yes, I said, I am interested. Um, and my parents had had businesses in Bali before. I think my mother thought they were going to retire, but instead, you know, my father said, 
I would really love to do something again. So we started looking and we were so fortunate to be introduced to Dion, who is now our co-founder. She's the eldest daughter of her family and the first young woman to be um, educated in university in the village of Kanchiana village uh, where she lives. So that was a really unique thing for her to, to go to university and do her Bachelor of Economics. It was actually her idea to her parents that look, we have this land that we farm, her parents are farmers. And she said, maybe we can look at this one plot of land, which is now Clove Tree Hill, uh, that we could maybe look at doing an ecotourism venture and maybe partnering with someone. And we were introduced and we thought, oh, this is just the most beautiful place. Uh, it's, it's spectacular. Um, it's actually a working food forest um, and was, and we've added to it since then. But when we met Diane, we also thought, well, not only is it the perfect location, but what a wonderful young woman and her family as well. And, you know, we said to her, what's actually going to happen for you now that you're finishing your studies? And she said, well, there's no job opportunities for me in this area because it's mainly agricultural, very rural area, um, a little bit of tourism, but not like other areas of Bali where there's mass tourism. So she said, I'll probably have to leave and look at getting maybe a job in a bank or somewhere else, but I won't be able to stay in my home. And we just thought, wow, this is such an incredible young woman. We, we think maybe we could do this together as a joint venture as opposed to just someone coming in and, and a foreigner running a business. And I think for us, ethically, it really sat well with us as well. We want, yeah. wanted it to be a business that actually had really positive impacts for everyone involved and, and our community as well. And I love the idea of like how, how you also managed to involve someone local, right? Because a lot of, of, of the things... You know, when you have a commercial business in this area, so you're going more for profit, you adapt it in a way to, to the people that are going to come there. But in your case, it's slightly different because you're actually involving the culture of, of that area in, into, into your business and the community around it. So yeah, yeah that's what makes it also different uh, from, from other touristic establishments as well. Yes, and that's been really at the heart of the business, been really, really important to us. It's actually what we love about Bali is, you know, not going shopping or, you know, having a bintang. It's, for us, it's actually the people and the nature and that really traditional experience and meeting the people. So, yeah, it was at the heart of the business. And even through the development, like the design of the buildings and the placement of the buildings within the food forest so that we could retain what was actually already there, the integrity of the land and the intent of the landowners was very important to us. So we also, my father also involved the local village elders to get advice about um, placement of buildings and even down to, you know, locations of beds, et cetera, in the buildings, because it's almost like a feng shui uh, type scenario, but it's uh, part of their traditional Hindu culture that, things need to be placed in a certain way um, to, to be optimal, um, to have a successful place and, and um, a peaceful business. So right from the beginning, that was really, really important that we involved the whole village. And it, as each building was 
created. The village priest would come in and uh, the whole village was involved in ceremonies to bless the buildings. Oh, Yes, it was, uh, you know, we have five villas, so there were five ceremonies, but every single building structure from our restaurant to our yoga ballet and our massage ballet um, and our temples, we had ceremonies for, and then one big one at the end. And, and it's something we actually still continue to do uh, every six months. Um, we have- there is a lot that other businesses have, and other business owners can, you know, learn from, from this type of uh, experiences and, and the way you've set up. I think it's just amazing um, how, how you involve the community in, in your business and, and the local traditions as well. Um, yeah. and, and going a bit further down the road, you went through also a pandemic situation where tourism was lower or maybe inexistent at some point how did you deal with all that how was it important for you to have also the community alongside to to support in a way to go through this phase yeah well I won't lie it's been really tough really shocking and you know we're just one of every single business in Bali was affected in some way some worse than others Uh, I think what was our strength was that we really understood our money story very well. So we knew what our cash flow was. We'd, uh, we'd only been operating, that we're coming into our third year. So we were a very young business uh, when the pandemic struck, but we had we were experiencing a lot of success um, with the business. But within a two week period, uh, when the pandemic was literally announced, um, we lost all our bookings for the year. And we had a lot of retreats booked as well, wellness retreats that we host. Um, so all of that went within a two-week period. And it was like, really, we had to think, okay, this is where we are. We don't know how long this pandemic's going to last. Nobody knew. And so it was quite frightening. And we understood our cash flow and our money story. So I, I knew exactly when it was going to run out and how long we could last. But that's, that knowledge is power. And so I guess... We were fortunate in that I was based in Australia and I had the opportunity to actually go back and work with Manu Rivers um, as their head of region. And it was a really wonderful job, it's a wonderful organisation. And what that allowed me to do was that I could earn enough to basically look after myself but also keep all my staff employed. Um, But we needed to do it so that they're employed uh, part-time. And what it meant was because Bali has no welfare system, it meant that they still had an income coming in, all of them did, and that they could use their other time to grow food and go back to more traditional agricultural practices. So they still had some income, they were able to actually do other things in their spare time that would contribute to sustaining their households. And um, it also meant that we could keep Tree Hill beautifully maintained because in a tropical environment things get mouldy really quickly, they deteriorate really quickly and you know we've got a beautiful business and we wanted to be ready for whenever we could welcome guests back that we were well and truly ready to open at any time and it was also meaningful work and I think that's important too that people feel like they have a purpose and exactly. yeah. Yeah, they're, they're keeping busy and actually doing something that's really important. So yeah. that's how we survived the pandemic. We had, 
you know, a couple of tourists come during that time that were local ones or expats, but it was minimal, really. And it's just been in the last six weeks that Bali has opened up fully and, oh, my gosh, my staff are just so <laughs> joyful to be welcoming guests back again. And, look, you know, when we're not quite out of the woods yet because it's, it's slow. It's a slow start. But it's a really positive yeah. start. It, it's, um, it's a progress and it's it's a progress in the yeah. right direction, right? So I cannot imagine the, the, the you know, stress you're going through when you're trying to decide and balance things out to see how they're going. Because it's it's quite uncertain, but uh, definitely I think you've done an amazing job in, you know, um, managing. So going back to to a bit more sustainable practices and and what you've also learned because you you i mean you have a clove tree heel but also you're working as a business development manager at entex and you've you had a lot of experience uh, implementing also sustainable practices in in businesses so what businesses can do nowadays even if we are let's say in a simple office scenario where everyone is working in what we can do to to become more sustainable yes well it's a really big passion of mine um sustainability and what i love about it is it doesn't matter whether you're a sole trader an individual or a big business there's all sorts of different initiatives that you can bring into your business but your business also has to make a profit as well because if you're spending more money than the money that's coming in, it's not a business that's going to survive. So part of sustainability is actually looking after the profits. Um, but when we talk about sustainability, it's not measured by profits. It is known as the triple bottom line. So that you're actually measuring three different pillars of sustainability and I call it the three Ps so that you can start to look at initiatives that encompass all those things. And so when we're talking about people, it's looking at uh, your employees or, or the community potentially around you, that your practices or different initiatives that you might bring on board can make a really positive difference to um, maybe your staff's working life or your community as well. And Planet is looking at, well, how can you reduce things like your carbon footprint or make a positive difference to the planet through your activities. And sustainability, sustainability Initiatives don't have to come um, to a cost to the business. There's lots of things that you can actually implement um, that can make a really big difference and, and to the three Ps. It's really like what works best for your individual business. And maybe if I give some examples, that might spark some ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and then we can maybe talk about uh, some steps that you, any business owner can take. So... Uh, if we look at the business I'm working in now, which is Entex, it's a civil construction and demolition business. It actually belongs to my husband and he was very persuasive to get me back on board, um, <laughs> which, uh, you know, I look at uh, civil construction and demolition is like the polar opposite of, of me and what I'm interested yeah. in, yeah. knocking things down, um, ripping up earth. But what really uh, got me hooked, I guess, was that the business started to pivot towards, okay, we're, we're demolishing buildings, but there's a lot of product that comes out of that that would normally just go to landfill. We can do better than that. Um, why can't we look at recycling the materials that we pull down? Um, maybe they can. some things can be donated back to community groups. And 
this idea grew and grew to the, the point that they've invested quite heavily in some really innovative crushing machines that can actually turn things like concrete and blocks and bricks, um, crush it and turn it into an aggregate product that can be reused back into the civil construction industry. So it's what I call creating a circular economy for that industry. And it's not necessarily a new thing, but for where we live in the Northern Territory, uh, nobody was doing that. So it's a, it's a new thing for here and a, really exciting to be a part of that. And from so I've come back in the business to help grow um, that part of the business and look to, to develop that more and expand our recycling opportunities and our remanufacturing, repurposing opportunities. Uh, so we're really proud to say that at the moment we're tracking at about for all our demolition projects over the last two years, of roughly 95% of the materials we've been able to recycle, repurpose or reuse. Oh, so it's that, that's quite really impressive. impressive. That's really yeah. impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think what's been also really lovely is that it's attracted a workforce that are really engaged with that. So that's come even into our office. Uh, one of our trainees has set up a whole office recycling centre where uh, it would even bring in things from home, um, like bottle lids, um, soft plastics, whatever we can find a recycling home for. We do that and we track it and measure what we do and the impact it's having. One of our other employees said uh, in the Northern Territory, we uh, have a cash exchange for bottles, so mm -hmm. like drink bottles and um, water bottles, things like that. So we get 10 cents cash back. And he said, well, you know, we all tend to, it's hot, hot weather up here. Lots of people have lots of drinks. And um, he said, why don't we look at uh, gathering up all those bottles and donating them to um, a charity called Riding with the Disabled? So we do that and they come out uh, once a month and collect, I think, three wheelie bins full of bottles because everyone brings their bottles in and they cash them in and the money goes to uh, the activities they do with disabled people. So, yeah. you know, I think it's really encouraged such a great work culture uh, that exactly. everybody's on board. Um, yeah. And yeah. it feels great to be part of an organisation like that. Yeah, so that, that's the other thing is like how how it has quite an impact, right, uh, on, on the team and on the culture of the business to implement such measures, because at the same time, you're, you're, uh, you know, you're doing something good for an organization for the, the, the environment we live in, you also strengthen that purpose of the company and you attract certain type of people that will support this this type of practices I think that's that is just such a great job <laughs> <laughs> yeah and look I think any business can do it and it's uh, it's such a feel-good factor for the for the staff and the team you feel like you're part of a team that's actually making a difference and you actually are making a difference it's it's real it's not exactly. a pretend team building exercise it's actually it's just part of what we didn't now all do uh, on, on a daily basis in the business and um, it's actually helped people to get quite creative about different ideas and you know where can we find uh, other avenues to recycle waste uh, what other practices can we bring into the business and you know, what other impact can we have in our community that's going to benefit the community and and also benefit our clients 
uh, that's been a really important, uh, unique selling point, I guess, for business too, is that when uh, often it's government or defence or um, other industry engage us to do a job, we actually say this is really important to us that we, we have some sustainability measures and, and this will actually improve your job or save you money on your job because of the way we operate. So, yep. you know, yep. as well as making that um, difference to people and planet, it's actually helped us to improve our profit. So it's a really strong triple bottom line for us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and it also proves that uh, sustainability and profits are not exclusive, right? So it doesn't mean that it's being sustainable. You also need, it's actually, it has the opposite effect. It can even contribute um, mm. to your profitability. But for the audience listening, uh, we also have an article that Eileen has written and is going to be in the description of this video. Um, about the triple bottom line model and other sustainability measures that you can apply in your business. We're going to have to link down uh, in, in the description. So um, just before wrapping up a last, a last question, um, if you would have to offer like a step-by-step -step approach to becoming a, a more sustainable business, what would you say would be the main step someone can take today to apply in their business? Yeah. Yeah, it's actually not that hard, but it, it, there, there are certain steps to take for it to be successful and work well for a business. So the first thing I say is to brainstorm sustainability initiatives, no matter how crazy they might seem. And if you've you know, got a bit of a mental block at that, I recommend looking at other businesses that you might admire um, that are doing things that you think are a great idea and just literally setting up a register where you do a brain dump of all those different ideas that you might come up with. Uh, one thing I have is a, a little group of um, other business owners that are really um, committed to being sustainable businesses and you know, eco measures or green technology, all those kind of things. And we actually have like a social media like group where we keep in touch with each other and share ideas and support each other. So a lot of our brainstorming has come from you know, the, the community I've, I've built uh, with like-minded individuals and like-minded businesses. So that's step one. Then step two will be to look at what resources do you need to implement these initiatives. So you start to start think about what those steps might be. And then it's really important to do um, a cost-benefit analysis and costs are not only just about money. The costs might be around your time, um, your effort, um, and intangible benefits like we've already talked about, like work culture could be considered a benefit. Once you've done that, you can then literally plot these out in a simple matrix. It builds a picture up over time for us to say, well, what's working well? And it helps then that you can review and maybe adjust. And the great thing about having, I guess, evidence and metrics is that you can share what you're doing with stakeholders and others that are interested in your business, the successes that you're achieving. And you, you can share that with confidence because you've actually got proof of exactly. what's working. Yeah. And that's a really, really powerful thing to do and it really can encourage other businesses to get on board and it can also really help engage clients and stakeholders with your business because 
they want to be a part of um, making a difference, which is really exciting. Yeah, yeah, I think it sends a, just a powerful message to everyone uh, in and outside of the organization, and it encourages others to to also adopt some, you know, similar similar steps, in a way. Uh, well, it's been lovely having you here. Thank you so much for for sharing your insights. So, before leaving, where people can find you if they want to get in touch well, with you? Probably the best thing is. Uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm probably more active on uh, sharing different initiatives and ideas on, on LinkedIn more than anything. Um, but they can also check out Clove Tree Hill on uh, Instagram if they want to see, see that. But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I recommend everyone and I hope I can go and travel there soon. That <laughs> <laughs> would be amazing. <laughs> yes, and if you think the pictures look beautiful, wait till you see it in real life. It, it, literally oh. mind-blowing but um no I'm, I'm always so happy to connect with people um as i said linkedin's a really great way to message and i'm pretty responsive uh love supporting other people in business it's just a real passion of mine and um yeah if anyone ever wants to talk business sustainability um, i'm i'm there on linkedin okay we'll also have the link in the description well thank you thank you very much for today um we keep in touch that would be fantastic and it's been my pleasure thanks for inviting me to come on board <laughs>